Uh, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to start by um, borrowing some words from maybe uh, politicians, government officials, people in authority. When they have a bold statement they want to make, they often start by saying, let me be perfectly clear. Let there be no misunderstanding, right? I don't know that Jesus said that directly, but in the gospel lesson, we heard him say, maybe for those of you who are my age and up, Jesus would say, verily, verily, I say to you, or we heard it in the gospel lesson, truly, I say to you. Kind of the same thing. Let me be very clear, right? Jesus made statements like this, whoever sins is a slave to sin. Whoever believes in me and in the one who sent me has eternal life. Or if anyone would be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Okay? Jesus made some bold statements, but he didn't want any understanding either, did he? But we know that Jesus often was misunderstood right? Um, misunderstanding is part of life, isn't it? Um, once again, I'm, I shouldn't be apologizing, but I'm showing my age a second time, and I don't even know if we should bring in Saturday Night Live into a sermon, but I'm, I'm reminded of Saturday Night Live, the skit that used to happen on the weekend update, so it's like a mock news um, thing, and there was always a guest who came on to share her opinion. Her name was Emily Latella. She was a little hard of hearing, and so often she would have these misunderstandings. But she would come on to share her opinion, kind of upset a little bit, and said, one, one example, what's all this about getting rid of violins on television? Violins are a perfectly good instrument. And why should they only put it on at the nighttime when no children can appreciate the violin. And then the uh, broadcaster would come in and say, no, 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 you've misunderstood. It's violence on television. And she would realize she misunderstood, and then she would say, remember anybody? Never mind. It's kind of funny. There are other examples we could give, but misunderstandings can be funny. But not always, right? Sometimes they can be. Have you ever misunderstood someone or something, and did it cost you? Or have you ever been misunderstood as you were trying to communicate, and did it hurt? Okay, Misunderstandings uh, can be tragic, even. In that first lesson that we heard from Acts chapter 14, We've got some examples of misunderstandings, don't we? And some of them were big ones, tragic ones, okay? But God, through his apostles, through his word, through this reading for all of us today, will help us to have no misunderstanding about him, about our lives with him, our serving him, our worshiping him as his disciples. So Paul is on his first missionary journey, 
preaching the good news. His normal uh, message was, of course, Jesus, his crucifixion, his resurrection, the forgiveness of sins that, are meant, that were meant for all people. Normally, Paul, and we've talked about this, normally Paul, when he came to a new city, he would start preaching in the synagogue. And mostly Jews were there. They had a background of the Bible, the Old Testament. But he also shared the good news with Gentiles. And there, there were always these two basic reactions. And it's still true today. His word was received. People believed for, for their salvation. Or the word at times was rejected and forgiveness was rejected. So when Paul came to Lystra, though, there was no synagogue. There weren't enough Jews to have a synagogue. And so Paul, instead of starting at a synagogue, he started at some open air, maybe a plaza, maybe a marketplace or, or on a street corner. And since he was talking now to a little bit different audience, he sort of took a different approach, too. Instead of talking about the faithful God who kept all his promises from the beginning, from Adam and Eve, from Abraham, that wouldn't have made any much connection with the people of Lystra. So he changed his tactic. Instead of talking about the faithful God, he, he talked about the God of all creation and all goodness, the one who provides food and through the rain and crops, and, and he tried to connect with the people in that way and using that to tell about Jesus also. And there was in particular one man who was listening. You heard about him. He was a man who had been crippled from birth. His feet weren't good, but his ears were good because he heard the good news and through the Holy Spirit believed. And then Paul said to him, this man who had been crippled from birth, get up and walk. And he did. He jumped up and he walked. This miracle we might say that Paul did, but really we understand, right, that Jesus, it was really a continuation of Jesus' ministry, and he did so many miracles, and he allowed his disciples in this time when the word was going out, he allowed his disciples also to do some miracles so that his ministry continued and moved forward. Before we go on, let's eliminate one possible misunderstanding, because now uh, we have the Bible, right? In Paul's day, the Bible wasn't still this complete revelation of God. And so it's understandable how God, to confirm the word that he was sharing through the apostles, gave this ability sometimes to do miracles, okay? But we don't have that necessity right now because God has given us the full revelation in the Bible, okay? Uh, we also know that whether in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, Jesus' life, or the apostles, like some who were healed had faith, others didn't. And not everyone who had faith automatically would be healed either. So what I'm saying, we can't make any conclusions other than that God allowed this miracle to happen so that he could confirm the word that Paul was preaching that day. Through that man, okay? And uh, fortunately, there was a big crowd that observed that miracle in Lystra. And no doubt they knew that man. They knew his condition. They had seen him for his whole life. And they knew that something that had happened there was not normal. It was not common. 
but they misunderstood a little bit, didn't they? Okay. Their conclusion, I guess we can kind of understand it from where they were coming from, but their conclusion was, you remember? Oh, the gods have come down to visit us in human form. Okay. And they called Paul Hermes, and they called Barnabas Zeus. Zeus was the chief god in the Greek mythology, uh, maybe because Barnabas was a little older or a little more physically impressive in his appearance or whatever. And Paul, they called Hermes because he was the spokesperson and was doing all the speaking. Besides that, there was this, um, I guess, pagan legend in that area that at some time previously, Zeus and Hermes had visited that area and nobody recognized All the townspeople missed out on it. And one elderly couple housed them and welcomed them into their house. But these people that day, they weren't about to let something like that happen again. And so remember, once they, oh, this is Zeus, this is Hermes, and they got all the preparations and got ready to do what? Sacrifice and worship Paul and Barnabas. I guess understandable, but one big misunderstanding, right? And could be a tragic misunderstanding. When Paul and Barnabas realized what was happening, remember what they did? They ripped their clothes almost to say, like, no, 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 no. We're just human beings just like you. We're mere mortals. But since you're talking about worshiping, allow me, Paul said, to talk about someone who really is deserving of worship. He's the one that allowed us to do this miracle in the first place. He's the one that has always given you and all people blessings upon blessings through the rain, through crops, through giving you food and shelter and protection. The God of all creation and of all goodness. And he's also the God who sent his son in human form to be the sacrifice for sin, to give forgiveness to you and to all people. And yes, God may have allowed the nations to go their own way in patience, but now, now is the time to turn to the one true God, the living God, the only Savior. Were the crowds convinced? Unfortunately, no. They persisted in their unbelief, in their mythology. They did turn, but they turned on Paul and Barnabas. The Bible tells us that just at that time, Jews, unbelieving Jews that had opposed Paul in previous stops on his missionary journey, they were following Paul, and they came up from Iconium, from Antioch, and they roused up the crowd that wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas, and now he convinced the crowd to reject them, and they showed the same hatred for Paul, Jesus' messenger, that their forefathers had shown to Jesus. And they stoned Paul and left him for dead outside of Lystra. Can we think about, just for a second, that tragic misunderstanding about, from the crowd there in Lystra? And can we think about 
another tragic misunderstanding of those Jews. And you know, think about it. What was the tragic misunderstanding of so many Jews throughout this time? That we're God's people, that we're saved because of who we are and because we keep all the ceremonial laws from the Old Testament. Let's think about misunderstanding God and misunderstanding Jesus. Okay, misunderstanding is a part of life, as we've mentioned. Okay? It's because of sin. People misunderstand us. We can misunderstand other people. We can even misunderstand Jesus. Do you remember his disciples when he was trying to teach them in our gospel lesson? How many times didn't they say, what is he actually saying? They didn't understand even what Jesus was teaching them. But let there be no misunderstanding among us because we have God's word, okay? We have the gospel. We have Jesus' forgiveness. We know and believe and we understand about that forgiveness through Jesus. Let there be no understanding or misunderstanding about God's will for all people, for us too. Let there be no misunderstanding about our relationship with him, the only living God. First of all, just as Paul, with that unbelieving crowd in Lystra, told them, we also receive many blessings from God, physical, material, rain, crops, food. God has blessed us. So as believers, let's receive that with thanksgiving. Okay. Also, it's clear from that day in Lystra that God wants all people to be saved. So personally, let's recognize that God has done everything so that that is a reality for us. He did everything through Jesus, and he also brought that to us through the work of the Holy Spirit, through baptism, through the word that we receive. Not because of who we are or because of what we've done, because of his grace. And then both for our material and our spiritual blessing, for the work of Jesus, our Savior, on our behalf, Jesus deserves our worship and our honor and our praise. Not for his benefit, but for our good, right? So we don't have idols in our house, houses, right? We don't believe in false gods like Zeus or Hermes, right? However we are, because we're sinners, we are capable of not fearing and loving God and trusting in him above all things, right? Because we're sinners, we're still capable of misunderstanding Jesus and his word and our purpose in life. I would say, hopefully I'm being clear about this, it's always good for us to be a little bit skeptical of ourselves, of our own way of thinking, and to always go back and test what we're thinking, what we're saying, what we're doing, by God's word, how important it is, how beneficial it is for us 
to always go back, whether we're reading our Bibles, coming to church in uh, Bible class, to always be encouraging ourselves, to feeding our faith, growing in our faith, and growing in our understanding of God's Word, and how important it is for us to be here, not just for ourselves, but for others, right? I hope you, everyone realizes how, how our participation at church encourages the participation of others, right? I hope everyone realizes how our growing in God's Word encourages others to continue to grow in God's Word again. So coming back to the text from Acts, we kind of left Paul for dead, just like the crowd did outside of Lystra there. Um, when the disciples gathered around Paul, he revived. He wasn't dead. He got up. There were believers there in Lystra, and a new church was being formed. They needed the word, but it was time for Paul and Barnabas to move on after that. And so they did. They moved on to Derby, where they continued to preach uh, the good news uh, there in that town. Okay? And then after they went to Derby for some time, they started to trace back their steps. And they came back here to Lystra to encourage those believers. And then they went back to Iconia, uh, Iconium. And then they went back to Antioch, places that they had just been in, tracing their steps back, sharing the good news, sharing the encouraging stories of believe, new believers in other parts of the world, but also this very important reminder so that there would be no misunderstanding, okay? In verse 22, the last verse that we read there, Paul told those new believers, we must go through many troubles on our way to the kingdom of God. And let's think about that also just for a moment here so that we might not have any misunderstanding. It's necessary, right? We must, Paul said, God tells us, because that's just the way it is, okay? There's a big misunderstanding that could be if we thought that now that I'm a believer in Jesus, whether that's since I was a child or, or recently, believers in Jesus will never have troubles in their life. If we were to think that, that would be a huge misunderstanding. God warns us. He clearly tells us we must go through many troubles. Not because he doesn't love us, but precisely because he does love us. And because he loves us, he also tells us in the Bible and reminds us many times that he will provide, that he will be with us, that he continues to love us, that all things will work together for good of those who love him, that his love and his forgiveness are ours because of the completed work of Jesus. Okay? We have a home in heaven that we just sang about. Jerusalem, the golden, that waits us. That's why I've said that day in Lystra for Paul was the best day of his life and maybe the worst day of his life. He was worshipped as a god. So far, that hasn't happened to me yet. <laughs> 
but he was also stoned to death or almost to death. You have good days and bad days, right? We all have wonderful days and we all have horrible days. But our joy in Christ, as believers in Christ, does not depend on the good or the bad circumstances of our lives. They depend on Jesus. Our joy depends on Jesus, on his resurrection, on the forgiveness that he won and guaranteed us, on his coming more than 2,000 years ago in human form, so that he could literally die to save us. It comes from our forgiveness, our home in heaven, and understanding our purpose and our mission here on earth. It comes from the truth of his word and the victory that we have that depends 0% on the circumstances of our life. That is our joy. And may that be our understanding, the privilege of sharing having that joy, and sharing that joy with others in all we do and in all we say. For Jesus' sake, amen. May the peace of God goes beyond all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.